Hello and welcome back to Salad Club. My name is Michael Levesque and today we have Kohenet Annie Martin um, with us. Annie is a DECA at CSI Annex and a freelance spiritual leader who founded Matanot Lev. Matanot Lev, Gifts of the Heart, right? Um, a radically inclusive uh, Jewish community in Toronto. Welcome, Annie. Thank you. So let's just start off by uh, getting you to describe what is a, a Kohenet. Uh, Kohenet means priestess uh, in Hebrew and actually comes from Sumerian. And uh, it's uh, an ordained Jewish woman clergy person, although now there are non-binary, gender non-binary folks as well who are being ordained through this program. But we specialize in feminine, earth-based, embodied, experiential Jewish leadership. And the Kohenet Hebrew Priestess Institute is in the United States with a campus on the East Coast in Connecticut and on the West Coast in California. Okay. So what's the difference between you and, say, a rabbi? A Kohenet and a rabbi. So our training is very different. A rabbi typically would go to rabbinical school for five years. It's a master's level program, full time, or there are part time programs that take longer. And it's very text focused. Um, and they're studying sort of the history of Judaism um, through an historical context and also through the, the Jewish texts, through the Torah, the Mishnah, the Talmud, um, and, uh, and also talking a little bit about practical rabbinics, um, the kinds of things that rabbis do today. Uh, it's a very, yeah, intensive, rigorous, heady training. Um, and then... Typically, uh, when rabbis receive ordination and graduate from rabbinical school, there are a variety of different kinds of work that they can do, including leading congregations, working with students on campuses, um, uh, chaplaincy work, and different kinds of freelance work as well. So a Kohenet, we study in a three-year program that's low residency. So we see each other for one week about every six months. And during that week, we're together studying and experiencing immersive learning from about breakfast until 10 o'clock at night. Um, so it's pretty long days for about seven days. Right. And that, and in during those days, we're doing some text study and also lots of experiential work. So we're creating ritual, we're doing art, um, we're doing some psycho-spiritual work, and um, we're learning all the time through a Jewish lens about Judaism, ourselves, and um, Jewish practice and leadership. So clearly, a three-year, more part-time program is very different than a five-year full-time program. We are also taking online courses in between those meetings. We have partners with whom we do um, intensive study. We do personal projects and leadership projects and lots and lots of reading. So it's not only those one-week intensives every six months. We have lots of things that we're doing together using technology in between that time. And the focus is different because we're looking at the history of women in leadership in a Jewish context, in ritual and spiritual leadership in a Jewish context, starting at in pre-Israelite time, 
um, before the temple and tracing that history through all of the texts and archaeological material and histories that we have access to, noticing when it disappears from from mainstream information, asking about where does it go, finding uh, traces of of story and um, including names on and, and titles on gravestones sometimes. That was how we knew that people were still doing this work. Uh, and tracing it all the way to today and saying, what does ritual intercessory leadership look like from a feminist, earth-based, embodied, experiential perspective today? We also um, learn a lot about how to bring the feminine Hebrew, feminine God language, goddess language, and communal language into Hebrew prayer so that we're really trying to bring some balance to the Jewish prayer experience, which has traditionally been very um, patriarchal and patrifocal and androcentric. Um, and we're, we're sort of raising up the divine feminine not to overshadow the masculine. I think there's a real understanding in the Kohenet uh, training and community, um, generally we, we want just more balance. So that means for those of us who spent our whole lives learning about Judaism without the feminine, it's really exciting to discover names of goddess like Shekhinah and El Shaddai and um, uh, Tsimtsamai and goddess and mama and aim and lots more from you know that are from our Jewish tradition and bringing those into more regular use in today's context. So my next question would be what rituals then do you perform or and how are they created? Well, so this uh, now I'm just speaking for myself because okay. We don't have cookie cutter kohanot. That's the plural for kohenet. And each of us um, does our work through the lens of our own calling and and the work that we each are doing in the world. I myself have always, uh, since I was pretty young, imagined myself as a spiritual leader one day. So this is my jam. Um, And in terms of ritual, I facilitate a lot of life cycle rituals like weddings and baby welcomings and baby namings and funerals and memorials. I've also done healing rituals, um, partnering and unpartnering, home dedications. Um, I'll be hopefully doing a coming out ritual with someone um, coming up fairly soon, I think. And I'm trying to think of the others. So some of the typical ones that we have in mainstream society, oh, a blessing way uh, for, for a someone who's about to give birth. Um, Yeah, so some of them are are more typical life cycle transitional moments. And in Kohenet, we learned that anytime someone is going through a transition, there's an opportunity to support that transition with ritual. Uh, So we learn sort of key tools to have in our toolkit to work with someone to co-create the ritual they need to support them through the process. So sometimes it might be public, like we're going to bring your family and friends to witness and be a part of this. And sometimes it might be private, like in a healing ritual, or maybe that person who's doing a coming out or someone who's rededicating their home. Some of those things, um, they feel like they need communal witnessing and acceptance and reintegration around. And some, it's just for them. They just want someone to hold their hand and make it feel magical and special. Right. How is your community made, made up? Is it is it a congregation that meets every week, or is it is it something that is more relaxed than that? Oh, relaxed is a fun word. 
So I, I feel like I kind of wear two hats. So on the one hand, I'm the founder and spiritual leader of Matanot Lev, Gifts of the Heart. And in that context, um, I facilitate um, events for the Sabbath and holidays, mostly um, Jewish holidays. And so we, when we first started out in 2014, I was trying to do one Friday night Shabbat gathering per month. Uh, and to be honest, that was really hard because I was doing it on my own and found that it wasn't a sustainable model. So now I'm kind of planning around particular themes around the year. So this year from, um, you know, the, the, September to June year, there, we will have had four major Shabbat gatherings and then um, a few key holiday ones as well, including uh, Passover, which is coming up. I'll have a family experience for Passover and, um, and an adult Seder for Passover. And we also do High Holy Days. So uh, last year I had six High Holy Day events over the 10 days of the High Holy Days, including two for families. So that's sort of the communal gathering aspect. And then the other hat, as um, a spiritual leader who's supporting people through their transitions, I'm really meeting with families and individuals on an as-needed basis. So someone might contact me and say, oh, I'm getting married, or I have a friend who's getting married. Usually I hear from the couples directly, or I'm having a baby, and they'll book me in advance, and I'll support them from the time that we really from the time they book me until and through the transitional ritual that I facilitate with them and their family. So my hope is that I'm meeting the needs of the community members who are coming to Matanot Lev and also that when I meet or connect with individuals or families who found me in other ways that I can help them connect into the community. Um, I would say it's important to note that the key vision, founding vision for Matanot Lev was to reach and welcome um, folks who had felt pushed out, left out, shamed out of mainstream Jewish spaces. Um, right. So that's LGBTQ folks and um, interfaith folks and patrilineal Jews. So anyone who had ever felt like they didn't know enough or they weren't Jewish enough or it was too boring and um, we get a lot of folks who are just like oh this is much more interesting and personal and relevant um, one of the really interesting things for me when I was was reading about what you were doing um, was that you have a, a very much a mindfulness slant to to the way you operate uh, the way you offer Jewish wisdom um, was a sort of about slowing down and mm -hmm. being more present. Mm -hmm. um, you know, taking more breaths, uh, you know, making space, able to connect with each other, all that. So uh, sort of give us an example about, you know, how you use mindfulness in, in your practice. So the first thing um, we hadn't we hadn't started recording yet, but the first thing I did, you know, when we were getting into the mode here, I even said to you, "I'm going to take a breath," and that's how uh, I like to start every gathering. Let's take a breath, and sometimes we'll take a few more. And the idea is just to get present and centered, be in our bodies, be where we are. So whether it's a wedding or you know, an intergenerational Jewish education experience, or a meeting with a client uh, when I'm offering Jewish mentorship or spiritual guidance, 
we just come back to that, you know, when we catch ourselves running away in our heads with the ideas of things or getting overwhelmed with words. Um, I, I, I like to, because I'm this way, I, I catch myself in that sort of getting ahead ahead and like pointing to my head yeah. as I say that um, of myself way to say, okay, now I'm going to take a breath and come back. <sighs> Where am I? What is, you know, let me tune back into what I'm feeling and, and how I want to be present and what I want to express. And I do that by modeling that. So I invite others into that process by modeling it. And I've been told that I have a very calming presence. So I, I think I invite this sort of vibe in, in the room um, of that kind of like presence and comfort. Um, I, use, I also use chant as a tool quite often. So singing usually a short text over and over and over again until we've sort of lost the words and we're kind of riding this wave of the music. And, and participants don't have to be good singers. It's just a way, you know, we're using our vocal cords um, as a, as a, a tool uh, an instrument and um, I'll choose words that are on theme with the experience that we're trying to have but we don't have to get caught there and I'll invite participants I'll say if the words are getting in your way you can just say la 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 or yeah. you know the Ashkenazi Jewish way is yai dai dai so again it's like let's get out of our heads and into the experience and notice what's resonant and what's meaningful for us right here and then I, I also try to choose Jewish teachings, like teachings about the Sabbath, about Shabbat, which um, is really about having a day when we're just present with what is, without trying to make something different. Uh, and you know, I use those as foundational teachings, and I'll often start programs saying, my hope is that our time together today will feel like this. <sighs> That's very nice. So what's the hardest or, um, or most important work that you do? Goodness. Hardest or most important? I think they're very different questions. Yes. The hardest really is being an entrepreneur and trying to figure out how... I have so many ideas and how to manage you know, energy and ideas and cultivate... Um, a team, really, you know, so I have now, I've been doing this now since 2014, so we're almost five years, it'll be um, since June 2014, and I finally have a team that's really coming together of supporters, so that I'm not doing it all alone anymore, and, and we're that's still building. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, it's also discerning, like, wh where am I going to put my energy? For example, going from that monthly Shabbat gathering, sometimes which was in my home, to, you know, more strategically choosing times of year when I can really zoom in on particular holidays and finding locations um, that are going to be easy for people to come to and easy for me to facilitate in, finding sponsors to cover the cost of those spaces. So just pulling all of these things together from a business perspective and making a living at it, which is additionally challenging because there is a culture around religion that it should be free. Um, some people sort of think of it that way. They forget about tithing and yeah. um, and membership. So I think that's actually the hardest is is doing the work that I want to do to serve the people that I feel so passionate about serving, and um, and not just sort of let myself be completely depleted in that process. 
And for me, the most important work is that, is, is focused on that widening the gateway of access to spiritual experiences through a Jewish lens for those who don't feel like they have it, either, you know, for any of the reasons that I mentioned before, primarily, you know, because they can't find it. Um, they can't find it in their language. They can't find it in a way that feels welcoming and inclusive in, um, in the mainstream options that are available. And, uh, you know, that's really been a particular passion of mine. I just get so angry when I hear stories of people who are like, oh, I went to this place that said that it was welcoming. And, you know, they were, except for this particular piece. You There's know? always an exception. There's well, not, I, I would say everyone is welcome at Matinot Lev as long as they also are in tune with this idea of, of who we're including. So, for example, someone who's out, you know, outright homophobic would not be welcome because being uh, a, a safe and brave space for LGBTQ folks is a pretty high priority in our mandate. So we are not inclusive of, inclusive of everyone. We're inclusive of everyone who's in alignment with our values. Right. So, tell me, what are you doing for Passover? <laughs> uh, well, so, yeah, Passover is coming up on uh, April 19th. It's actually the same weekend as Easter weekend this year. It starts the same weekend as Easter weekend. The first night of Passover is Good Friday. And I am doing three different things for Passover this year. On Saturday, April 20th, which is the first day of Passover, I'm offering a family, an intergenerational family experience in Kensington Market. And um, so that'll be for, I mean, really kids of all ages with their adults. We'll do an interactive storytelling with songs and uh, music and movement and tastes of the Seder plate. Uh, and um, that should be a lot of fun, I think, for, for everyone who comes. It's from 10 to 11.30 a.m. And uh, they can find information about it. Folks can find information about it on Eventbrite, Family Passover Experience. Um, then on Friday, April 26th, which is the end of Passover, I'll be leading a co-created Seder for adults with only, I think now we have 10 spaces remaining. Um, and that'll be pretty special and unique, food included. And, you know, the idea is it's, it's an integration and redemption Seder. So, you know, bring all the pieces you either didn't get to do that you missed out on earlier in the week or your favorite parts that you want to share or just come and receive. And I'll be facilitating. Hopefully we'll have lots of sharing and lots of conversation. That's from uh, 6.30 to 10.30 on Friday, April 26th. And that's also on Eventbrite as uh, Matanot Lev Seder. And then um, for folks who maybe aren't looking for a community experience but want to get more out of Passover this year, I'm also offering one-on-one -on -one Jewish mentorship called Free Your Passover, um, Jewish mentorship to redeem your Passover experience. And uh, they can contact me, contact at AnnieMatan.com if they want to schedule an appointment uh, to talk about really anything to enhance their experience of Passover. If you're listening... And Passover is a drag or stressful for you, or you just want to inject some inspiration and creativity into your experience or a Seder that you're a part of, 
Um, I offer, you know, I can sit down with you mostly online or by phone. And I do that not just for Passover, but for Shabbat and any other aspects of Judaism that you're feeling curious about and you want, you know, more engagement, more inspiration, more depth, more connection. Um, this is a, a, a real specialty of mine, and I get very excited when I have an opportunity to work like this with folks. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, I've learned a lot, and uh, thank you so much for coming in today. Annie, uh, it's been a pleasure. And to all of you, in case you didn't get that, if you look in the footnotes of this program, there'll be links to everything that she just talked about. I will see you all again next week. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye.